0: Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, lads and lasses, those who don't subscribe to gender. Welcome to GOT Guy Questions Podcast with Spencer and Lee Spencer. Say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. We are doing our very first. We promised it, Spencer. We promised the people. We are delivering. That's what we do. That's what Mangum Talks is in the uh, the business of doing. We have promised the people a reactions pod. We're doing it. We just watched season eight, episode two. We don't know the title. But we just watched it. Yes, we do. Um, it's We apparent- haven't talked about the episode at all. This is the very first time that you and I are discussing the episode. Figured we'd hop on the pod, do about 15, 20 minutes of initial reactions, and then later in the week, you know, we'll get our detailed notes and we'll actually do a full Got Questions podcast. Spencer, what do you think of the episode?
1: Well, first of all, apparently the episode is right now named 69, according to HBO Go, which I'm fine with that, if that's what they just want to name the episode.
0: Shout out to the Game of Thrones folks, that's
1: hilarious. Uh, I'm guessing it's the 69th episode, maybe, don't know that for sure. Yeah. I'm hoping not. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm... What do you? What do we have to say? I mean, I'm I I've not fully processed it yet, but I think my overarching opinion was that it was a collection of powerful scenes in an episode that was intentionally idling, but probably not as intentionally less polished that I felt than the first one was.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a classic setup episode. Mm-hmm. But they had to do a setup episode wrapped in this sort of like, you have to give a lot of characters. And I kind of suspected kind of they would do this. Give a lot of characters like that sort of final moment. Oh, yeah. That sort of bow tie on their character. Because in my opinion, anyway, I think so many characters are going to die in the next episode. Uh-huh. that you had to do a lot of like, okay, let's give this person their last moment. And I can tell you, number one, with a bullet person that I am worried about, I am terrified of, Spencer, is Brienne. Because they, they ignited Brienne. First off, they allowed Brienne to pay back Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, saving his life in the same way that he saved her honor and life, right? He saved her honor the night that he got his, his hand chopped off and then also her life when she was wrestling with the bear and he went back and basically told Locke, "Hey, look, dude, you're gonna have to kill me if you kill her." Mm-hmm. Uh, she was able to pay back that debt, and then also when they're sitting around, I love that they're pre gaming the battle too. That's totally <laughs> like a Mangum thing to do. I feel like I feel like that's like that's like all of us. We would totally be doing that. We would just be <laughs> sitting around drinking. Okay, well, hell, I mean, if we're gonna die, we might as well die tipsy. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and he actually knighted Brienne. And I felt like if they do kill Brienne in the next episode, they have done justice to her character
1: Yes, I very much agree I think the knighting scene was one of the most powerful, like, three scenes of this episode It was very well done I love the end description of a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms Which is straight harkening back to her, her distant ancestor, Sir Duncan the Tall uh, It's a wonderful scene, but good God were the death flags flying when that was happening um,
0: yeah, I felt like she was gonna get it.
1: I mean, they're also putting her in a position of where she is now leading the left wing, which you know, good credit to her, it's an incre- incredible honor that they've given her. Um, but it's uh, it it is a probably a strong puts you in a strong place to die while leading your men.
0: Yeah, did you see the uh, the next week? It sort of. Oh yeah, the- she she. Yeah, looked- so it looks like it looks like the left wing is pretty much the knights of the veil. Vale.
1: I'm guessing the left wing is going to be pretty much all of the Westerosi forces. That it is going to be combined Knights of the Vale, uh, men of the North, little detachments that they've drawn from everywhere, essentially. While the right wing is the Unsullied. That's probably my guess. But yeah, first and foremost, and next to her with the
0: Dothraki just raising hell. Just yeah, just you can't you
1: can't give them specific orders. Just let them have fun.
0: Uh, I think that actually would be pretty effective to just have them just sort of parade in, you know, like just not, not, you know, because you've talked about this before in the pile, which I thought was like really sort of astute, which is the way that the Dothraki fight really don't set up well to fight the others. But if you have them as sort of just, they just kind of come in in spurts Mm -hmm. and they're not just in one place. That could, that could potentially be effective, have him come in on the flank, right?
1: If they try to light Calvary this in a way that's smart and not getting stuck in, it could help thin him out. But it's just, you're not going to get the enemy to break with this kind of formation. But returning to the original point, very much worried that Brienne's going to die, and I'm very much worried that it's going to some way set up a similar scene between Jaime and Cersei as between um, uh, Tyrion and his father Tywin in terms of Cersei belittling the death of uh, Brienne, or in some way mocking her later on. But We'll see how that yeah. goes. Because I'm still very much of the view that Jamie's probably gonna survive the next episode.
0: Yeah, I think he will too. I think he's gonna have a re, he'll he'll reunite with Cersei. I'm not sure that Tyrion will survive, but I think Jamie will. Yeah. Um I have a couple things I want to bring up with Please. you. Uh, okay, first, um, so Tyrion has been taking some L's.
1: Um, yeah.
0: He's taking a lot of L's. Yeah. And, and it looked like Jamie or Danny was gonna replace him as hand. I would have been supportive of that. I would have. I would have thought that's a good move from Danny. I thought it was interesting that they had folks stick up for Tyrion, and and definitely folks he wouldn't have suspected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, primarily among those Jorah. I mean, him and Jorah have this fraught relationship, and Jorah I guess has just developed this deep respect for him, and actually comes, and Jorah was probably going to be Danny's hand if Danny replaced uh, Tyrion. Uh, but to have Jorah come to his defense, I think that was really great, and it's also another one of those where I'm like, uh oh. Jorah could get got, right? Because this is yet another bow <laughs> <vertai on> tie <his, laughs> uh, on his character, right?
1: Uh, as you said, this episode was intent. This episode almost felt like the writers, as you said, wanted to pay justice and give an exit to anyone in the cast. They very much were indicating that this is our final moment. These are our characters saying their goodbyes, composing themselves in what could be their last hours on Earth. And that was clear for literally freaking everybody. They have left it open how anyone can survive. Or how anyone can die in the next episode, and that is a powerful moment to be him.
0: No, not everyone can survive because I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm betting all the money in my bank account against all the money in your bank account that Grey Worm is dead. Oh God, yeah. He's not going to Narth. Sorry. No, he is not going to Narth. I I'm willing to
1: bet a lot. I'm willing to actually put money down that Masende makes it somehow. Grey Worm's toast.
0: Well, that's the same logic as Sansa, right? We yeah. talked about this in the pod before. It's like, you know, Sansa's probably the most likely of the main characters to survive only because if she dies, everyone else has died because she cannot fight on her own. Missandei's the same way.
1: Well, it's, it's been an interesting question. And unless in some ways we see Winterfell being besieged after a big battle scene, no, no one that's in the crypts makes that this alive. Unless there's some way able to hold that for some army to come up and save them. It, it's very possible that essentially 99% of the people that are presently around Winterfell are dead.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it is. I think, I think it's, I mean, we've talked about this before. We both think that, um, the night King is probably going to win this battle. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's not going to kill everybody, but he's probably going to win the battle. But yeah, I I just thought, um, you know, Tyrion taking L's, but still having bench support was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Danny listened. Um, I do think it's interesting that like, so basically, Jorah came in to talk to Danny. had two pieces of advice. One is keep Tyrion as your hand; he's a smart guy. Two, go make nice with Sansa. Mm-hmm. Well, Danny tried. She did. Sansa, Sansa, yet again is pissing me off because really, like you, you just finally connected with Danny. Mm-hmm. Like, and you, and Sansa. Credit to her; she even admitted I should have thanked you. But then she presses the claims the Norse claim for independence. Yeah. Like, this is not the time to have that conversation.
1: It isn't. And it's not, this is, if you want to build a relationship with this person who, you know, is either going to be a opponent who, you know, could either be your ruler or an opponent. This is the time to make nice. This is the time to learn from the lessons that little finger taught you of get them on your side. So if you need to stab them in the back, you can do so later when they're not expecting it. Sansa's very upfront wanting to confront Danny, which is either the, it's either her showing that she respects her and wants to meet her openly, or it's her being foolish about how she's going about this. But you could just watch Danny's face and posture and reaction with her hand just close up the moment Sansa went that route and just yeah, shut. But you could, yeah, you could have seen it coming. Like, yeah, on
0: Sansa, like th- it's not a time to bring that up. Although I did love in that conversation how you know Sansa's like, well, men in love they do stupid things. And <laughs> yeah, Danny, that like, was well, great. Let me ex- let me explain to you something. Um, I was position to do the thing Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to do my entire life until I met John and now I'm up here fighting his war half a world away uh, with people who hate me. Who's the fool here? I thought that was fucking amazing. That was was great writing and it was a good thing to point out and I do think it softened Sansa a little bit because I think that was Danny being vulnerable and saying look I love John. It's not, it, it, you're, you're not dealing with a situation where one guy is pining over a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm pining over him.
1: Yeah, and it's tying into one thing that Sansa has, could, cannot help but recognize, is just the power of John's personality, the power of his character, and how it just draws people to him. It's something that she continually almost resents to a certain degree, based on the fact that he has it and she doesn't seem to in the same way, but she recognizes it, and as you said, it was a connecting moment between the two. That we haven't seen it was a wonderful spin of writing that the show offered. I have a question for you.
0: Yep.
1: Um, favorite scene? Least favorite scene? Let's see if we let's see if we can do that in, our, in terms of our initial reactions. I'm guessing it'll modify by the time we do the full recap. Oh
0: boy. Okay. Um,
1: I, I I have a favorite. Going uh, to go well, first. I do. Too. Okay. Um, what you got?
0: Yeah. Um, well, my favorite is John and Danny talking. Um, in the crypts because that's yeah in the crypts that's what I wanted to see and it, it, it gave me something that I was wondering about I, and we talked about this in the previous pod I didn't know if John would immediately embrace his new identity it seems as though they're going the route of John has kind of always known this mm-hmm. or at least when when he is told this it makes sense to him um, and I, I just thought it was really well acted between him and Amelia Clark. I mean last week I, I said they have the personalities of or the chemistry of potatoes um, I still don't think they have really great um, romantic chemistry, but when they were a little bit antagonistic or at least dealing with a difficult situation, there was some really good acting going on there. Um, my least favorite, um, I don't know, so I'm gonna flush this out a little bit more in our full episode. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like how much they went for comedy. I mean, it was like it was actually like kind of a funny episode. Mm-hmm. But like for me a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know the – I'd have to go back and rewatch it um, to give you an exact scene. But it's probably going to be somewhere where they went for humor where I felt like we probably needed a little more levity.
1: You? Uh, Favorite scene? Um, It'd be one of two for me. I adored a lot of the scenes that were happening with that collection of people that assembled around that hearth in Winterfell talking with each other. The drunken Mangum New Year's conversation kind of thing that we talked about. But two scenes from that, the knighting of Brienne was a powerful scene. That was very well done. It was very oh, justice man. to her character. Great scene. And
0: my, wa- and my wife, Sarah, she was just Niagara Falls. Man. She oh, was, yeah. Like, bawling. And, and for me, just
1: seeing the oath drawn back from Duncan Eggman, a few times I've seen it played out before, done so beautifully and such a wonderful scene with everyone reacting to it. It was great. I was I was teary-eyed myself. But seeing Ginny of freaking Old Stones sung as they're building the tension, showing where everybody is was a very well-done scene that hit me in the heart. Um, So I I really liked that um, musical transition, musical ensemble that they did there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh,
1: That was good. Least favorite? I thought the first half of this episode... I mean, the episode was always going to be little snippets of where they wanted to hit about 20 characters, which can work and it cannot work. I thought the second half of this episode, once darkness started to fall, worked a lot better than the first. I thought the first was not as well structured and not as well written. And then we can focus on a couple scenes in the full recap, but I was let down at times. I was kind of let down at times that um Jamie's trial went so smoothly. Um I was expecting there to be a lot more tension there, a lot more build up, a lot more resistance to a certain degree, but everybody just kind of immediately had their positions or immediately shifted their positions based on one person's testimony, which didn't work for me as well given the amount of invested concerns associated with that man and then they just kind of let him just wander free throughout the castle thereafter
0: oh no i disagree with you completely will, we, 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 we will we will fight this battle sure i i really liked that brian has accumulated all of this social capital with these folks mm-hmm. and she finally cashed it in. with what um, with what folks makes sense to me. well well yeah but i mean also like i mean i think um she's she's done things for other characters as well right like i mean Tyrion has respect for like also like how, what she's done for aria all of that builds into what sansa the opinion sansa has of her mm-hmm. and how she's treated everybody and she's never asked for anything right this is the one time where she said look i this is I, I'm, I'm cashing the social capital in a little bit here i also think that it's a nod uh david nutter wrote this episode i think it was david nutter right um huh. and he uh, whoever wrote the episode um I think what they were saying here is like, Danny's not the mad queen, right? Because for her to cave that quickly to Jamie, and you could tell, even when she was passing the sentence, even when she was saying very well, then she was pissed. She was mad that whole time, but she listened to the advisors and, and she, you know, calmly took their advice. So I think this idea that Danny's going to become mad queen, I think this, this scene uh, sort of subverts that narrative. Uh, I do want to point out one thing um, that we obviously have to talk about. I mean, Please. this is going to be all over the Reddits, all over everywhere. It's already been on our text chain uh, with our friends. you? <laughs> Whoa.
1: Uh, Arya and Gendry consummating their relationship. I Whoa. wasn't expecting we would see
0: that. I didn't think it would be as explicit as it was, considering the fact that you and I just a few weeks ago um, were... <laughs> <laughs> we're reviewing uh you know eight-year-old aria running around winterfell uh with a with a big silly uh metal on it. i mean i got i mean Maisie williams is of age i mean you know she's yeah. an adult now and it would make sense that you know she in the show she's a virgin she would want to sort of figure that out but it was pretty explicit um but i thought it was pretty unrealistic how much game she had for somebody who's like never done this before I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. yeah they were extending a confidence in everyday
1: activities and murder to the bedroom which I don't think proves universally true or even
0: generally true I mean you would know you've killed a lot
1: of people right well, you know it's part of my daily routine really oh, you, you, you mean this emotionally right
0: right yeah well and then you're still awkward in the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> see I'm coming at this from both sides <laughs> but no man I mean shout out to the show that they, they were able to go there um, it surprised me a little bit, but I liked it. Um, I don't think that Kendry is going to survive. So I think that was a one and done situation. Uh, this is a Zion Williamson situation, <laughs> one and <done>. um, but <laughs> I do like that they went there. I think that's going to be a big thing for the fandom in the review of this episode. Um,
1: one other thing to offer as well is that previously we debated how many members of the white walkers that they were going to show. I think the end of this episode kind of banished the idea that it was in any way a small coalition of people that
0: that's. I- Mm-hmm. You're reading off my notes, like literally. I, I said to Sarah as we were watching, I was like, "Oh my god, there's way more White Walkers than I thought there were." Which
1: makes sense if Craster's been giving these guys away for a long damn time, and they're seemingly immortal, and presumably they've accumulated a population before then over the last ten thousand friggin' years.
0: We also don't know that the, their only pipeline to, to children was Craster. I would
1: doubt it too. Okay
0: yeah i mean so who knows i mean we, we may see next episode they've got hundreds of white walkers and if that's the case then it's really great <laughs> that sam um gave uh the ancestral sword of house tarly which is a valerian steel sword mm-hmm. uh, to jorah to fight with on the front lines although i did really like this moment where john was like well if you you go in the crypts we'd understand and sam shot him no like, i am sam the slayer how dare you
1: yeah, I I really did enjoy that scene on the walls between Sam John and um, Dolores Ed. Uh, that was a great reminiscing of characters, and I just loved all of Dolores Ed's snarky lines throughout that scene of where Sam the Slayer, Sam the Lover of Ladies, did we need any more evidence that it's the end of the frickin' world?
0: Yeah, I also liked how like all the characters pretty much talked like they were going to die. Yeah! Uh, except for Danny. Danny didn't, didn't seem to be internalizing that she might die. Hey, here's another thing I want to point out to you. Before we get into, and, and I want to end on, if it's okay with you, the conversation with Danny and John. Oh, yes. I feel like that's the the sort of, I mean, other than the fact that the battle is imminent, that was sort of the big, really, you know, uh, heady uh, plot driven. It was all driving toward this scene of the episode. I want to talk about how it looks like John is going to fight on Rhaegal, right? He
1: straight up implied that, didn't he? That we need the dragons there. We. Like, he was going to be on the dragon the whole fight.
0: I picked up on that, well, too. But then also, like, when, when they, you know, the horns started blasting, he looked at Danny and nodded, and they both ran off together. Yeah? Well, yeah? I think he's going to fight on Rhaegal.
1: That's going to be fun to see. That's a quick, that's a quick, lesson, a quick lesson that he had in dragon riding, that he's now ready to run uh, ride it into battle.
0: Well, I mean i don't blame him no i mean that's the, that's the that's the nuclear weapon and you know they know that the night king has viserion i'm not sure that i would necessarily bet on danny and drogon over night king and viserion but i'm pretty sure i will bet on danny and john right mm. right drogon and 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 Rhaegal against viserion i, I do think that's that, that that gives them a an advantage it, it uh, gives them the only advantage
1: that they have i mean it, Truly, as you said, the only character that seemed even vaguely optimistic of their chances, and even he made it halfway as a joke, was Tyrion. Everybody else is acting as if this is their last night, that the best they can really hope for is a Pyrrhic victory where almost everyone is dead. We never, we never really got to see that, that um, conversation between Danny and John, though, which almost in my mind just indicates that the two of them were likely to survive just because they didn't get the exit talk.
0: No, I think they will. I think they will. I, Danny might have to flee, and 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 John may have to flee a different way. I mean, my thought here is that we saw enough shots on the Nexon to know that John actually does fight on foot at some point. Um, so I, I I think Rhaegal is probably going to bite the dust, um, and and John will sort of crash with him, mm-hmm. and then and then I would imagine that undead Viserion gets got by Drogon, uh, and then you set up for sort of Danny on Drogon, either fleeing or or breathing fire on the whites, and then. You know, the Night King going after Bran and, you know, obvi- obviously, obviously, you know, trying to deal with that. I think that's kind of how it all sets up.
1: Very much so. I mean, it could be a similar situation to like when Theon burned, uh, well, Theon and the, and the Boltons burned Winterfell uh, back in what was that season freaking two. It's been a long damn time mm-hmm. uh, yep. that those in the crypts may survive just because no one cares about them and they have other objectives or, don't, or they don't even know that they're there. Yeah. Um, and that could be a way that those that are down there at least make it anybody else who's able to sneak in there with them. But from this episode, from what we've seen in the various trailers, whatever else, I will be very curious to see how, if we're correct that this is going to be an epic defeat, how anyone gets away.
0: Well, they've already set up an exit plan for Danny, right? She goes to the Iron Islands with Yara. The they've RFP.
1: telegraphed that, maybe.
0: Yes. Um, but as far as any of her her actual army or John. Because I, again, I don't, I don't think Raygall survives uh, the battle. Um, he's, you know, he's a smaller dragon, uh, like Viserion, and Jon really doesn't know how to to wield him in the same way that Danny knows how to wield Drogon. But I, I do think now we're getting to the point where we need to talk about the seminal uh, scene of this episode. Sure. That is uh, Jon revealing to Danny. I didn't think they were going to do it this episode. to Be honest with you, I thought they were going to wait until after the battle. But Jon does reveal to Danny uh, his true identity, uh, true to form. Danny immediately does not like this idea because she puts two and two together right away and figures out he has a better claim. I was fascinated that John did not subuse her of the idea that he had a better claim right away. I kind of envisioned that conversation going, you know, her saying, well, you have a better claim. And he says, oh, I don't care about that. But he didn't do that. May, he just stayed quiet and looked at her, kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, I do have a better claim."
1: It was an interesting conversation because I felt like, in some ways, it was interrupted and it might have continued in a variety of ways of where, you know, John saying, "I've got, a, I have a better claim, but I don't care. You're the queen," or something along those lines. But they didn't get to have that moment, and so it ends at a very tense patch of where I turned to Bridget immediately after the, immediately after that scene happened, and went, "Huh? They're giving Danny conflicting loyalties going into this last battle, aren't they?"
0: They are, and, and you know. That John had space to say that, he didn't say it. No, and I also thought it was very interesting that he said my real name is Aegon Targaryen. Yeah, like I, I we talked about this. Like I I thought that he would say, "No, I'm still John Snow." Like, he, but he's assuming the name of Aegon. Tar- are, are we gonna get that in the last? Four episodes, Spencer. He's claiming when John tells everybody, "My name is Aegon Targaryen." That's a mindfuck.
1: I was in no way expecting that. I was fully expecting John to just claim the mantle of my father is Ned Stark, to embrace the North, whatever else. He's growing straight Targaryen mindset associated with this. Whether he sticks to it or not, that it seemed in that conversation that he was legitimately saying that this is my birthright. Almost looking at her. Which just When she was trying to say, you've got a claim, I was expecting and looked in his eyes and almost saw it that he was going to say, no, I have I have the claim. I have the better right, claim to you. Yeah.
0: He was kind of pushing it. Um, and, you know, Dan- when Danny brought it up, I think she was hoping he would do what we all thought he was going to do and, and dismiss it, but he didn't. So that sets – and that kind of answers could potentially answer my question about what, like, what comes next because when I kind of heard – you know, through all the different means that the show does marketing and, a little bit of spoilers that they do that the big battle was going to be in episode three. And then you have four five and six and that five and six are going to be 70 minutes long
1: mm-hmm.
0: or 75 minutes long. I was like, well, well, what are they going to be doing? Well, this could be it Spencer. They, it, we really could have a, a sort of fissure in that relationship.
1: It very much possible. I mean, it, I don't think this is, she's the kind of person to do it, but based on their conversation, based on the tension between them, when they left, they could be setting it up for some kind of situation where Danny's in a position to help or save John and just leaves him. Uh, I don't think they'll play it out that way. But again, they set her up to have a very conflicted and challenged state of mind with respect to John that
0: she's never ha- that she hasn't had for a while. Oh, Spencer. So remember the time I told you that they gave enough fan service or enough screen service to the dragonglass that they have enough dragonglass now and you you kind of were like, I don't know. They have given us enough to show that Danny loves John.
1: Yes. They've given in us their enough. mind
0: in their mind. I'm telling you, D and D in their mind, they have showed us that Danny loves John. They may, they don't, I don't think they've necessarily showed us that John loves Danny to the same level, but I, I don't think you're going to see Danny turn during this battle because I, I still think where that character's mindset is now she's fucked up because she doesn't know what to think. Um, but I think she still loves Jon.
1: I agree. And I think they've used conversations with Sansa to establish that for both characters. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So in conclusion, sir, what were your overarching thoughts about this episode? Was it as solid as the first one? Does it give you good hopes going into what will be the epic battle before the walls of Winterfell? Where does this end you up?
0: I, look, I continue to be very positive about this season. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we were always going to be able to say it, it, Feels rushed. I'm going to say that every pod we do about season eight because we're always we're going to hear that criticism. But considering the fact that they have limited themselves to a certain amount of screen time, they have given a lot of characters in this episode a good potential final moment. Mm -hmm. They have set up the battle really well. Um, They had the conversation with John and Danny that that will potentially go past episode three um, to create conflict. I like how they dealt with Jamie. I loved the the Jamie and Bran at the Weirwood conversation where brand basically, he doesn't really forgive um, Jamie, but he, he certainly doesn't castigate him or, 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 you know, make him feel worse about what he did than he already he doesn't, does. Right. He doesn't hold
1: a grudge. I mean, as,
0: exactly as he was, I thought it was a really good scene. It was really good because I feel like let's, let's say Jamie does kick off. Mm-hmm. I do think it was great that he, he had a chance to sort of apologize for his original sin within the series, right?
1: And it almost felt like Bran wanted to be there for that moment because he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't view himself as Bran. He's not invested enough to hold any desire for revenge or whatever else against Jamie, but he still wanted to be there to greet him. He still wanted to be there during the trial to observe it happen and offer the the things that we do for love, and he still wanted to be there under the weirwood tree to talk with Jamie which makes it interesting that even if he isn't Bran anymore in his own mind, he still maintains these little connections back to the past with respect to it and still wants to give certain characters of his own past that kind of moment.
0: Yeah, so I thought thought they did a really good job considering what they had to work with. They had 60 minutes to wrap up a bunch of characters and prepare for the battle. I think they did that effectively. I liked it. I'll obviously do a bunch more rewatches before we do our... (laughs) <laughs> our uh, our actual full pod probably on the wednesday to thursday time frame and maybe my opinion will change but my initial reaction is i liked it you yeah I mean, just
1: to offer an explanation for everybody if you're ever wondering why we spend like you know a couple hours talking about these episodes it's because we've watched them for like four hours or so again before we started recording we have a lot to discuss from the deep dive we do in these recaps um yeah For the episode itself, I think it's always going to be a difficult episode to structure and plot out because of the amount of characters they want to touch. They've had a lot of these building episodes over the course of the show. Sometimes they've just combined them into the part of impressive episodes like the Blackwater. Um, I felt at times that it wasn't necessarily as well-written as I would like or or had to jump around so much it felt a little bit poorly structured. But in terms of the number of quality exits they gave to an entire cast of characters, in terms of the utterly powerful scenes that were layered throughout this episode. And in terms of the buildup and setup for what could be one of the most impressive bits of cinema that they've ever filmed on this show, I thought it was a success. I will quibble around the margins. I will offer an impressive variety of book, book nerd bitching options when we record our recap, but I enjoyed it. I thought it set up well. I thought it gave me exits for characters that I wouldn't even necessarily expect that I was going to have. And I thought it gave me the same tension The same feeling of vulnerability and mortality that all these characters are going through in a way I've not felt in a while. I'm on edge about a lot of characters that I care about and don't know what's going to happen to them. And that is a feeling that has been, truly feels fresh to me on this show. And I look forward to it.
0: Yeah. Quick piece of trivia before we leave. This was only the third episode in all of Game of Thrones history, unless I'm mistaken, Uh, and then hand up if I am. Where they stayed in one location the entire episode. Very true.
1: I, tr- wow, that would be. Can I guess? Can I guess? I think I know the. I think I know the two. Okay, fire away. Uh, battle. Uh, the battle of the wall. Whatever. Where the name of that one was.
0: Watchers on the Watchers on the Wall. I think season five. I think
1: I think that was all at the
0: wall, and was Blackwater all at all at King's Landing. You got it. Those are the other two. Interesting. So this was only the third episode in Game of Thrones history where they stayed in one location the entire time. And it just shows
1: again how impressive and how massive the battle scene is going to be in the next episode, because both of those included their build up, their quiet moments of characters coming to terms with their ultimate fate and the risks that are approaching in the same episode. This one, we got that half it's entire weather episode so that we can spend the next episode at war
0: hell yeah all right man i'm fired up thanks for doing this with me the reaction pod we're going to do the full pod uh this week and then we'll continue to do reaction pods um until the season ends um thanks spencer for doing this um check us out www.mangomtalks.com uh with the Guy questions podcast get us wherever you get your podcast i enjoyed it can't wait to do the full recap with you spencer
1: Until our final recording, sir. All right.
0: See you.